0: We are on Hollywood Boulevard, Doug.
1: Vroom, vroom. We're here, and before we go any further on the road, uh, I wanna kick it off like I did on the block by saying a big, hearty congratulations to you and me. Happy fourth anniversary of our podcast.
0: Four friggin' years.
1: That's right, and what years they've been. What a time we have had.
0: I know, and this past year feels like 10?
1: Yeah, at least. So it's like we've
0: been doing this 14 years. That's
1: right. That's right. We're in in our teens. I know. We're emotionally in our teens as podcasters.
0: We are zooming through Melrose, too.
1: We are zooming through Melrose, as you guys will hopefully be listening. Um, But for now, we're not even talking about TV, let alone TV of the past. We're going to talk about some film. Actually, I know I am. Cameron, I mean, a uh,
0: film that's been on TV.
1: Uh, uh, fair. But I call them movies.
0: I know they're movies. Well, okay, so my, my my first question, though, however, did you watch the Golden Globes? I did. Okay.
1: Do you, you want to talk you- a little bit?
0: No, because I didn't watch it, so I have no idea what happened. Uh- <laughs> But my question is, were any of these movies, like, I think, I think they were up for it. I don't, were they up for Globes? Were they, did they yes. win? Did they? Yes,
1: uh, yes, yes, and no. But all were, between nominations and awards, um, did well, I think, by the Golden Globes. Uh, and guys, it's not going to be a mystery for much longer. We're going to, we're about to dive in and tell you what movies we're going to talk about. Um, but yeah, they were. They're eligible as movies, and they um, are all uh, critically received uh, positively. Um, Yeah, and, and all factored into the Golden Globes, which was kind of a mess of a ceremony. It was a virtual ceremony. All the nominees were in, like, Zoom rooms. When their categories came up, they were at home, many of them still dressed up in gowns, looking ridiculous, but the, I don't understand
0: that. I thought that was so weird, yeah. Well,
1: I think it's tacky, at the very least. Well, it was um, just
0: weird because some of them were in gowns, and some of them were in jammies, like and some of them were in hoodies, and, and some yeah. of them were
1: <laughs> But by and large, most of them were wearing tuxes and dresses. Um, and if you're Kate Hudson, you were there with your entire extended family, which, uh, okay, super spreaders. Um... <laughs> But there were also, there were two ceremonies and Tina Fey emceed one in New York at the Rainbow Room and uh, Amy Poehler did one in LA at the Beverly Hilton where the Globes traditionally have taken place. There were some presenters in attendance, mostly in LA, some in New York, and then there were actual audiences in both of those venues, but none of them were nominees or presenters. Those were essential workers who had somehow either won or applied for or been granted, you know, the honor of, of sitting with masks and watching these celebrities not show up in person.
0: Yeah, so, that's... Like, I didn't even realize that there was an audience. That, like, why would you do that to these poor people so they can sit on in this paper, kind
1: of- it sounds like a nice concession to these great essential workers, but, like, what do you really get You're yeah, basically like, just seeing Tina Fey and Tracy Morgan
0: live. Yeah. Which isn't even that interesting when you sort of factor in like what they're doing it's not like you're seeing them perform like you're seeing them make these sort of like canned responses like they're reading off a bad script
1: yeah and you know the Emmys did it in a way that I thought worked pretty well they had a few live celebrity presenters but but by and large everyone was was home and also zooming in or whatever virtual platform they were using um but there were fewer technical glitches. It moved smoothly, and um, there, wasn't, there weren't things like feedback, and there were fewer awkward speeches where people were like, do I talk now? Should I start now? So by and large, I mean, they sort of did the best they could, but if other ceremonies to come, like the Oscars are trying to follow suit, uh, they'd be better to m- mimic the Emmys model than the Golden Globe model. Um, mm-hmm. The more virtual the less live stuff i think the better the, the the tandem thing does not really work right um but yes so let's get into uh the years one of the the big winners from that night which is the best picture drama and best director winner nomadland starring yeah. francis norman which is available on hulu uh but also available in whatever theaters near you are now opening and uh, on demand, I believe.
0: Um, um, yeah. This is one I definitely want to watch and have. Not I give
1: it a, I give it a high recommendation.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's based on a book, which has more of a documentary kind of research, uh, like anthropological kind of take. The movie takes a more narrative take following a widow played by Francis McDormand, uh, who. Uh, has kind of given up on her home life and and lives out of her truck and gets seasonal work including seasonal work at um amazon and basically travels sort of up and down and across the western half of the country uh parking her van in parks um for similarly minded similarly living People living a, a nomadic existence and there are other characters who play film versions of themselves and they are nomads um and so you you follow her for the sort of a year and change and you see some of her encounters uh and experiences um and really sort of get a feel for not just these other people's lives which would be nice but the rhythms of how these people mm-hmm. sort of live and and are and feel which is what adds a true sense of texture and poetry to the film uh the the director the golden globe winning director chloe Zhao, uh sort of demonstrated a very similar sense uh of texture and ritual with uh, a movie called the rider two years ago that I was a big fan of. It was my number one film of that year. Um, so she's clearly a talent and and not one who condescends or or kind of sticks to tropes. Um, and, you know, we can always talk about it more after you see it. But Frances McDormand is doing, you know, really beautiful and I think deceptive work because it's, it feels so real and natural that I don't think you realize how much skill of actual performance is going into what she's doing. Like, it feels so natural. You're probably thinking it's just Frances McDormand talking or playing herself. And it's neither mm-hmm. of those things. It's a true performance um, that that she's giving and, and that glues the whole film together. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, as is typical for her, quite a work of transcendence. Uh, and David Strathairn is, is the only other performer that I'm aware of. Uh, who, who was also in the movie, the, as opposed to nomads, who've been cast. And, you know, everything, the score, the cinematography, the editing, they're all beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I found, it, I found it really interesting. And it called to mind some of the really groundbreaking early works of the independent film movement of the late 80s and early 90s. Mm. Movies like... Todd Haynes' *Safe* and Alison Anders' *Gas, Food, Lodging*. God, um, I love that, that
0: movie. You've seen it. You've my, seen oh it. That my to God, me, is, that's one of my that favorite movies. Like
1: the post, it's one of mine too, and it's like the poster child for, for independent, yeah. film. Um
0: Allison so yeah, Anders I mean, like I said, it's, it's eighteen thumbs up. Love. What's that? Allison Anders has not gotten enough love as far as no. I are. agree.
1: As as uh, as directors in the indie conversation and female directors go. She's um, definitely one of the all time greats. And I may be the only one who writes about that, so I'll just keep writing about that. But I'm glad to hear you agree. I think you would like Nomadland a lot, uh, and it's a big recommend.
0: Yeah, the, this is definitely a movie that's on my um, definitely want to watch list. Uh, yeah, I'm curious, I, and I did not know much about it. It almost sounds like what Hillbilly Elegy should have been, <laughs> because it is based on this nonfiction book. And, you know, I, I'm curious, did you read the book? Because this the book is I've never
1: read Nomad Land. Yeah. No, I hadn't read it. Okay. And I still probably won't. Really, I think I kind of got everything I needed out of the movie.
0: Out of the movie, hmm. okay. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to diving into this because it sounds like um, it sounds like something I would really enjoy. You know, particularly because it does have that vibey, like old, like that old school sort of '90s, early '90s, mid '90s. Um, there's a there's a purity to it
1: that I yeah. think really elevates it. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: that, that we haven't seen in a really long time in terms of independent God, no. filmmaking. You know, yeah. and that, and you know, I. I God, it used to be glued to the IFC Channel back when it actually showed independent films that didn't yeah. really make it out of the, um, you know, uh, didn't that never got real pickups from the uh, the festival circuit, you know, um, and they would do the festival circuit, but it would and it would end up on like the IFC Channel or something like that. And there were some real gems on there that nobody's ever heard of. Um, yeah,
1: sadly, yeah, and sadly and then, that that doesn't then, even happen now.
0: Yeah, now that just has seemed to have completely gone away.
1: Yeah, it's a much more commercial kind of network. I feel like now it just plays Law & Order reruns and shows Brockmire with Hank Azaria for three months of the year, and I'm not sure what films are actually playing regularly.
0: Oh, yeah, and I guess I guess I don't see what's coming. I mean, again, I'm not paying attention like I used to, but like I don't really see what films are coming out of the festivals, too, um, that do have that indie edge. It really does feel like...
1: Well, the truth is there are fewer of those that, yeah. that have that edge that and yet- are indie in name only.
0: Like are things just like showing up on YouTube, and this is sort of like our new our new breed of talent is going to be on TikTok and Reels?
1: Could be. Which someone has to explain TikTok to me one day because I, I like I don't get these new platforms and, you know, where like the actual artistry comes in versus the access. I don't know. I don't know. But that's maybe not a conversation.
0: I mean, I think another. it's I think it, I think it's entertaining, but it is just kind of one note I don't know my kid can sit there and watch YouTube video after YouTube video after YouTube video and like I can only do it for so long and then I want some meat on the bone right like I can't keep watching like you know Good Mythical Morning and watching these guys I don't know like is it a burrito like i you, do you know what i mean yeah, and yeah i mean i think oh, listen
1: yeah. i talk about that all the time i'm like yeah i understand the content i understand the filler but for me i don't want to watch things and keep going there's no there there yeah. and i also don't want to be that old man that says there's no there there because it's not the way it used to be but, yeah yeah and
0: part. i yeah and i just feel like we're like like the Kids these days are kind of missing out on some on on you know the on real on understanding like what really good narrative filmmaking is nar- really good narrative television really you know i don't I don't know that they're getting it necessarily
1: I, I you're preaching to the choir absolutely i agree
0: you know um but so you know if you have kids, just try and expose them to more than YouTube yeah. <laughs> Which I worked so hard to do when, when, when she was little, but now she's a teenager and she can make up her own yeah, mind. Yeah, she can do what she
1: wants a bit more now.
0: Yeah, she can make up her own mind now, but um, yeah. So, but Land is definitely on my to-watch list.
1: Uh, good. I'm glad, and uh, we should revisit it um, after you've had a chance to talk about it. Uh, so I, I mentioned a couple movies that I was going to talk about. And I know you have seen one of them, so maybe we should talk about that one, because I was very pleasantly surprised to, to hear that you wanted to talk about it.
0: Yeah, okay, so this was I Care A Lot, and now, was this up for a globe, and did I hear that um, Rosalind, Rosalind Pike got it?
1: You did, and you did. Or you did, and it was. Or it was, and you did. And yes. Rosalind Pike
0: yes. got it for this movie.
1: Absolutely. I'm saying that too many times tonight. Yes. Yes, okay. she did.
0: Because she was wonderful. Yeah. And I think that she was deserved. It was, I, this was, um, I would say for 75% of this movie, I was all in and fell out of it and then came back to being all in at the end.
1: Um, I think I'm kind of with you, but I may have even been aller in. I know that's not a word because this is well. I guess we should say a bit of what the movie is about,
0: right? So I mean, the, the, okay. So this woman, uh, who's played by Rosamund Pike, Marla Grayson, has this very interesting job where she is a she is a quote unquote legal guardian, and so she basically makes a determination or, or if a doctor makes a determination that an elderly person can't take care of themselves and there is no, she, and there's no family member willing to step up or able to step up or steps up quick enough, um, Marla will come in and take over and be the legal guardian. But Marla, while this in theory sounds like a good idea to help people, help older people that may not have anybody to take care of them, Marla is actually a grifter. And she is essentially imprisoning people who don't need to be in the situations, you know, don't need a legal guardian. They can live on their own. And she is basically um, taking over their lives, putting them in. Kidnapping them kidnapping them putting them in assisted living and locking basically locking them in there and taking all of their assets and selling them and so, yeah <laughs> and it is a huge Um, it's like this huge scam and she has got, you know, the, the director of the nursing home that she puts them in is in on it. The doctor who diagnoses them is in on it. And the doctor calls her up and says, I think I've got somebody that you can like go fleece, you know? And so it is actually a very lucrative job for her. And, and there, like I said, there are all these people that are in on it. It is, it was absolutely fascinating and shocking and Oh my God, do you hate this woman?
1: So that's that's exactly what I was getting to. Yes. I thought, oh, it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be a kind of humorous take on how people, you know, like take advantage of the loopholes and the legal profession. Um and and that it was gonna be something more like while in her care, this old person treats her such a way, or they have this kind of relationship. No, I mean, she's an effing criminal. And yeah. she is kidnapping people and leading to their slow, horrible deaths behind the locked doors of these homes that she puts them in Well, she sells, like, all of their lifelong goods. So I hate this character. I hate yeah. her so much. Marla is awful. And I was, for two hours... Glued to this movie and so in on how much I hated her, all of which is to say it is to the movie's credit and to Rosamund Pike's credit for making me care that much after a year of movies that I kept tuning in and out of. Yep. Like I was in.
0: I was in 100% because I wanted to see somebody take her down. Yeah. And we think it's going to be Jennifer Peterson, and who is played by. A brilliant Diane Wiest.
1: doesn't get any better. Oh my god! Simply the best.
0: Um, as as one of Marla's marks, and she should a have never. Who, right, a mark, mark who
1: we think is an easy target because she has a lot of money, lives alone, has no family, has no ties to the outside world.
0: So we think, but and then it,
1: it turns out maybe that's not true. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it turns out her son is the head of some Russian mob, her son played by Peter Dinklage. Yes. Who is also wonderful.
1: Yeah, it's a terrific cast. And there are multiple twists and revelations that keep coming about, that some are, in hindsight, we should have seen, um, and and some a little bit less so. It reminded me of, follow me here, the crime game, which was also not just the one Ah. big revelation, but like, twist after twist after, you know, like, yeah. eye-popping change after twist. And yeah. it makes you keep reassessing good and bad and exactly who these people maybe are supposed to be to each other. Right. Um, but, but make no mistake, I mean, like, Marla is horrible, and Marla is a terrific character. It was one of, I think it's one of the best movies of the year, and I think her very committed performance is one of the best performances of the year, so I didn't think she was going to win the Globe, which was in the musical comedy category. I'm not sure I would have put it there, but it was a smart gamble on their part because Rosamund Pike was a surprise winner, and she was the one I said wouldn't win but should have won. It
0: it was a, I mean, I would have liked to, did Diane Weiss get a nomination? Because she really deserved one. She didn't. Um...
1: You know that's a shame because
0: maybe would have, but she really deserved one because I mean, you know, when you think of Diane Weist, she's always playing sort of the nice mom, the nice aunt, and the meek. nice grandma, yeah. and meek, and and she's there when when we meet her, and then all of a sudden she turns on a dime and yeah. she is ruthless and she is the woman that raised a Russian gangster. Do you know, you know what I mean? And she is, and she just like lands a look on Marla and she is just like, you're in trouble now. And it was, it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal.
1: Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I was completely taken in by this movie.
0: And I also want to sort of shout out to Chris Messina, who plays um this, yeah, this lawyer.
1: Role. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, he plays an attorney hired by uh, Peter Dinklage's character to get his mom out of the clutches of Marla and this nursing home where where the, where she has been put. Um, and to sort of like go in front of the judge and say, look, you know, she's competent and and. Um, And he has this scene where he's giving her—he's like trying to first before he goes to court bribe Marla. We'll give you three hundred thousand dollars. You know, you got to let this woman go. And he can't say who his employer is. Um, He is wonderful as this sort of army, you know, but very very high-end attorney, very slick. Yeah, he was just—he was just an absolute pleasure to watch. And I guess I should say.
1: the Marla character is not dissimilar to the character Rosamund Pike played in Gone Girl, which was her big breakout role. They're both kind of hateful, unflinching eye on the prize um, characters, but the movies themselves, I think are, are distinct enough that there's nothing repetitive here. I mean, she's really just a terrific actress. So one of the best of her generation. Um, Yeah. I, I just, Totally recommend this one, too.
0: I do, too. I, I thought it was... It was probably one of the best movies I've seen in a, in a very long time. Yeah,
1: this is definitely high on my list of, of the year-end best.
0: Yeah, really. I, I really... But not in the
1: year-end, it. but of the year.
0: I really loved it, so...
1: Also, I mean, I, I don't love anyone more, perhaps, than, than Diane Weiss. You know, I think she's peerless. But you know what I read years ago? You know what celebrity says she is his favorite actress of all time?
0: No. Who? Brad Pitt. Really,
1: IMDb doesn't lie, except for all the times that they do. But I believe this one.
0: Oh, I didn't think he. I didn't. Would even know who she was. He (laughs) would know. Yeah, I mean, like I am sort of surprised at his, at his, at his, at his knowledge base. I mean, I always, you know, he's he's such a funny cat because I always thought like. Like it's no secret like he's obsessed with like architecture and building and like that's I think like his passion and I think that he just sort of like fell into movies because he's really good looking and I don't think and I've always got this sense like he doesn't really want to be there. He just is because it's a way for him to make money and maybe dabble in architecture. I don't know. That's always like the vibe that I've gotten it just so ha- like and he's just grown as he's been able to grow as an actor, but maybe I'm wrong because I mean he is still really great to watch on screen. Like I don't like you know, I don't know that I would sort of put him up there with a, with a young De Niro or a young Pacino. I'm not saying old De Niro or old Pacino because we know where that's gone. Mm. But I do think that he is he is a considerable talent.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how much I consider his talent uh but I was amused by the anecdote
0: but I do, because, yeah, I mean, he, because like I said, he's always sort of struck me as somebody who's accidentally had a film career. And I think, yeah, really, I think like watching Diane Weist and, you know, I- I- yeah, examining I her movies came
1: very easily to him. Yeah. And so, well, why not just keep keep at it? I don't know. Maybe he's a big fan of parenthood, as am I.
0: I mean, who knows? Like, I, you know, I mean, look, I, this is all conjecture. For all I know, he was like studying the Meisner technique when he was 10. I mean, we don't know what he was it's doing. It's possible I wasn't there. I wasn't in Missouri with him, were you? No. Could have been.
1: Tis possible.
0: Okay. So what else? But that's,
1: but that's, I care a lot. So one other movie that I've seen, uh, which had four golden globe nominations did not win, but will probably still factor into the other races, um, is promising young woman starring Carrie Mulligan and written and directed by Emerald Fennell, who has also had a recurring role on the crown as Camilla Parker Bowles. Ah, well, and also was the showrunner for one season of killing Eve, but I won't hold that against her. Um, do you know anything about this movie?
0: I know nothing about this movie.
1: Oh, okay. So, I guess it's intended as a um, response to the Chanel Miller uh, rape—the one, with the Stanford rape case. Um, what's his name? Brett? No, well, uh, Brock Turner. Oh,
0: that swimmer guy or whatever he was, like that. La-cross, yeah, that whatever, or whatever he was, yeah. and he was like super privileged, and he got it away with it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. um, it's set in Ohio and, uh, Carrie Mulligan's character is a 30 year old who was in med school along with her best friend. And it's largely alluded to, th- you get a little bit more detail as, as the movie goes on, but she is avenging the death of her best friend who was raped, like gang raped and videoed and brutalized, uh, while in school and then, the med school basically sided with the the guy, the perpetrator. Mm. Um, and so she dropped out and, and eventually, we are led to believe, committed suicide. And so Carrie Mulligan's character, devastated by this, has now taken it upon herself to sort of avenge that wrongdoing one shitty straight guy at a time. Um, we see her pretend to look like she's completely incapacitated from either alcohol or drugs or both and lets a guy take her home from a bar. And when he starts to insinuate himself on her and what he believes uh, is uh, is sort of this incapacitated situation, she perks up completely sober. um, And it's not necessarily clear what she does to them. I think she just scolds them, tells them to not be so terrible, not to be assholes, but she's got a notebook with a running count and it looks like it's in the hundreds of men that she's taken home and scolded.
0: Oh, I don't um, know. I'm hoping that she's killed them all. Well,
1: I would have hoped that too, but I don't get the sense that she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, and it just seems to be, this is what she is now dedicating her life to doing. Uh, she has herself dropped out of med school and sort of given up in any future of her own she is single she still lives with her parents her parents really walk on eggshells around her so she must be coming out of some sort of probably breakdown situation Mm. um seems seems fragile but committed to to her plan which sort of takes new direction when she runs into someone else she knew from med school who is now uh a working doctor he's a pediatrician um and they begin a relationship. He's played by Bo Burnham, a comedian, and who also directed the film Eighth Grade a couple years ago. Um, and that sort of opens the door for her to a new plan involving the actual guilty party from those, I believe, seven years ago, uh, the, the event that changed everything for her friend. And I won't say anything more about what happens from there, uh, but I will say I think Carrie Mulligan is terrific um and, and and you know this is a role that has multiple layers not the least of which is that she's pretending to be these like incapacitated women <laughs> when she goes out and and then lecturing the men who take them home who take her home um which is fascinating in and of itself but then also seeing her you know in her different sort of habitats we see her Working at a coffee shop with one friend, we see her in the home. We see her kind of emerging from her cocoon in her relationship with Bo Burnham. There's just there are so many elements going on to this performance that I that I found it to be really kind of uh, a work of beauty. Um, I do think there's something that doesn't quite jive with the script because it's over reliance on coincidences and convenience, including the fact that. This many people still stayed in the small town in Ohio and never left. And (laughs) after years of her taking all these strange men home, like no one has put together that there's this woman who's like doing this. Like none of them are talking amongst themselves. Um, A little bit feel, a little elements of the situation feel like they happen at the exact moment they have to and, and happen at all because it has to facilitate a story that, that moves further along. But it's a movie that has a very specific purpose and it's a very contemporary purpose. And I think it's a very necessary story that is, uh, you know, pretty well told and uh, very well acted. Um, Clancy Brown and Jennifer Coolidge as her parents, I think, are also very good. Uh, Connie Britton has a small part. It's a good cast. Um,
0: That is a great cast, actually.
1: You know, and by and large, another very worthwhile movie. And how nice is it? To talk about three very good, very recommended movies on this podcast. Yeah, to me.
0: So, where is Promising Young Woman screening? Is that on? That's on demand. Okay, that's on demand. Purchase. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, mom's not. Mom is not buying anything right now.
1: I have a feeling sooner rather than later it will be available elsewhere, but um, but not yet. Wow. So I'm going to put this out there for any of you who are listening and want to tee up any conversation. When we talk next week, and I know I talked about it at the beginning, the full season of WandaVision on Disney Plus will have aired. Karen, people are losing their minds over this show, over social media, every week. Like, seemingly gutting them as though they've never watched anything on celluloid before. Um, so I'm going to do a final weigh-in once once the season is done um and i'll probably also say something about fanship and and the way we we sort of watch things and stand things uh nowadays but to those of you who have been watching one division all along and and have an opinion I'm, i would encourage you to reach out to us on our facebook page back on the blog pod uh and and let us know where you stand where oh, a sneak peek my preview is it's fine i'm enjoying it it's good not great not life-changing Well, Um,
0: I think that's great because we can do a point and counterpoint next week because I would um, love to talk about M Night Shyamalan's servant.
1: Oh, okay, and I don't get Apple TV or Apple Plus or whatever it is, so I will wholly depend on you for that. Yeah,
0: and I think that there's a great counterpoint there, where you have this sort of like fan culture can do no wrong, and I feel like (laughs) M Night Shyamalan can't do anything right in the eyes of fandom. Well, that's
1: so funny because we saw him on some show. Promoting season two of Servant today or yesterday, um, and and we were talking about how people really turned on him.
0: Yeah, like he did like what, that. What was it? Signs. I think that was the one that was like his big break with Mel Gibson. Um, he did
1: Signs, but that came after Six Sense, so that was you know the phenomenon that first put him on the map.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then and then all of a sudden it was like anything that he did after. Wait, he did Six Sense and then Signs. Is that how it worked?
1: Yeah, it was Six Sense, Unbreakable, and then Signs.
0: Okay, so yeah, he did six sense. Everybody loved that. and then and then it just sort of like his career just kind of went downhill from there. Um, and we can like kind of talk on how the world turned on him because honestly, I have loved him since the very beginning, and I don't care. like i I've always enjoyed his movies.
1: Yeah, I think there's a lot to say about his career and his output from the last two decades.
0: yeah, Top to bottom. And yeah. the curiosity of why he is so hated. Um, it is.
1: It is a funny thing. But yes, you will. And I don't save it till next week. But uh, yeah, I don't know anything really about servants, so you'll have to let me know.
0: Oh, it's uh, yeah. I will. Um, I will. It's a. It's a. It's a total mind fuck. <laughs> oh.
1: Okay. Well, I'm now even more intrigued.
0: Yeah, it's a total mind fuck. <laughs> I spent the first half going, What the fuck is going on? Damn.
1: <laughs> yeah. But oh, that's good.
0: It was Yeah, in a good way. It was like it was like we could I couldn't like we were just like uh, you know, I was watching it with Anthony and every night we were like, we watch another one, yeah, we'll watch another one. We can't not we gotta see what's happening. So um yeah, it was it was just it was definitely one of those where you, you just you could binge it very easily.
1: Sweet. Yeah. So you guys, you have your marching orders for next week. Talk to us about servant and talk to us about WandaVision and uh we'll talk right back at you about it.
0: Yeah. All right. I'm going to bed.
1: Yeah. In the meantime, happy fourth anniversary once more.
0: Yay. Happy fourth anniversary to us. <laughs> um, now go to bed. And I'm going to bed.
1: And you guys have a great week. Stay safe. Stay healthy. And uh we will catch you next time on Hollywood Boulevard.
0: Bye.